I do want to mention here, just as we're getting started, for those of you uh, who know uh, and did not hear, Bill Farron, a longtime member here at Praise Assembly, passed away this last week, which is uh, just an incredible glory to God. He has been so faithful and had been faithful in his life and was faithful in this as well. And so uh, just so you're aware of that, that is this Tuesday. His uh, funeral service is at 10 a.m. this Tuesday at Greenlawn North. Uh, visitation will be at 9 a.m. Also want to just thank you again for joining us this morning. Truly, this week was kind of just a, a fly-by week for me. It was really, really quick. We had a big board meeting on Tuesday as we were planning towards 2019 and getting budget and things kind of finalized. And then Wednesday morning, we headed up to Wisconsin. Uh, we're in Wisconsin thir Saturday or Thursday and Friday, I think, somewhere in there. Came back down. Uh, Saturday uh, uh, during the day yesterday and and so legitimately it feels like I was like just here doing this and so um, we did kick off this series called The Cup last week Jim and Nancy I encouraged everybody to give to your uh, missions account uh, because of this incredible coffee cup that was a gift from you to me uh, so I expect to see your uh, missions giving the, to the Deermans just to shoot through the roof um, so if that doesn't happen, then that just means that nobody pays attention to anything that I'm saying. So you let me know how that goes. I'll expect to hear good things uh, from you. Uh, last week we kicked off this series called The Cup. Um, and and uh, we just talked a little bit about how all through Scripture there's this picture of, of the fact that God blesses us. And, and that that which we receive from the Lord is, is a cup. And it's like he gives it and then we receive it, which makes that illustration um, just so incredibly perfect. And, and, and some of the feedback that we received last week from our community groups, um, uh, overwhelming feedback, was that it was incredibly rude of me <laughs> to drink a good cup of pour-over coffee like you just saw in that video while not offering it to anybody else. And so I do just want to start by understanding that that maybe was not the right path, okay? And to say, I am so, so sorry for doing that last week. Um, yeah. This is good coffee. And again, this is coffee, coffee number three. For me, and normally I cut myself off after two, so this is a really good moment um, for me. Uh, this is going to be a good day, hopefully, and and I have no doubt God's about that. Uh, if you did miss us last week, we kicked off this series talking about God's what God has poured out for us, and and as a part of that, then we talked about um, you know the cup represents the portion, the the lot that is ours from God. We read. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. So the, the cup is, is, again, it's our portion. It's, our, it's what is allotted to us by the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes that looks exactly like what we want it to look like, right? And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we would say things like, boy, this is not where I saw myself in this moment. Right? But still, in the midst of all of that, whatever it's in the cup, the Lord is good, and we see that, right? 
His blessings are overwhelming. He blesses us and pours out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And even we talked about that just recent, I mean, just as part of communion. I mean, uh, in, in the Old Testament, you find over and over as, as we talk about the cup, that which is poured out, often you find that it's a cup of judgment because of our failings, because of our sin, because of uh, the ways that, that we as the people of God have broken the covenant time and time and time again. And then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ drinks that cup for us. And then it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, that the cup that we drink from is the cup of blessing. And that's what you did today. That's what you did today in participating in Jesus Christ's death. As you remembered what he had accomplished for you, you were partaking of the cup of blessing. And his blessings are over. And this is the perfect time of year, I think, in order to just do a quick two-week series on this and then to move on. It's the perfect time of year, partly because of the fact that we kicked off the year with the Freedom Project. And if you were not a part of the Freedom Project or you missed out on it, maybe you just started recently attending praise, um, the Freedom Project was our, our kind of praise providing a platform whereby we could get a large portion of our congregation uh, uh, through a process of, of really asking. First off, we did a, a stewardship series. But then along with that, we had classes that were offered ev- almost every night of the week, every, ev- almost every day of the week. If it, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a lot of, of classes from uh, the Financial Peace University and then the Legacy Journey. And we, we as a group said, what would it look like if as a church we freed ourselves up from financial bondage, if we got completely out of debt, and if we were to um, uh, really follow the scriptural pattern of what it looks like to be able to steward or to steward God's blessings, right? And so we did this uh, Financial Peace University, which I would say for us, Liz and me, the biggest thing there was the zero zero budget, the uh, zero balances budget, where there's absolutely... At the end of the budget, regardless, there's nothing left over. Because we have this tendency to just kind of have leftovers, and then we spend the leftovers, and then we're like, boy, I think there's more there. And then we keep thinking there's more there, and we end up spending money that we don't have. And, and, and then that was huge for us and has made a tremendous difference in our financial uh, situation. And then in, as we were going through the legacy journey, which was more focused on the long term and, and focused on making sure that we have things prepared for whatever might come and, and make sure that we're preparing our kids um, through that as well. It was huge for us to make sure that we had those pieces in place. The biggest thing was um, the, the portion of it that was focused on what it means to be content, which was so, so good, so, so good. Um, and so we just wanted to do a checkup as part of that, because it's almost been a year now since we've been through that, and we wanted to see, how are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? And so I wanted to lay that out and just start by asking, how are you doing with stewarding the blessings that the Lord has poured out upon you? Because we have a part in that. Like, we are called to steward, and there are, there, it's really only one thing in Scripture where, where God will then use something like that to test and to say, okay, we will, I will know how faithful you are by this one thing. And that's really how we handle our money. It's a huge thing to make sure that we are properly uh, stewarding the blessings that God 
has given us. At the beginning of this next year, we're going to be doing, offering those two classes again, Financial Peace University Legacy Journey. And so just want to just let you know, we aren't going to be doing it at the same level that we were before. We're going to uh, just offer a couple of classes instead. And so, um, but we wanted to give you an opportunity if you missed out on that, uh, if you weren't a part of that and you're like kicking yourself ever since, and you're like, boy, I wish I could have been a part of that. Well, now you have an opportunity to, and, and the same way that we subsidized at the beginning of this last year, we have leftover supplies and we're, gonna, we're willing to subsidize those again so you can get a chance to get through that. But also to say maybe you did go through it and you already have the supplies. You don't have to pay again. You've already got the supplies. You can just go through the class again and get a checkup and see how things are going. Also wanted to offer one additional thing, something that we had kind of recruited and prepared this last year that is available to you that we never really kind of uh, promoted. And I want to promote it real quick. We have some people in this congregation who are really... Uh, uh, they're the right people to have do it, who have offered to just sit down with people and to say, okay, what does your budget look like? And to allow you to bounce questions off of them and to maybe give a little advice financially. And so I wanted to encourage you today that if, if maybe you've been at it for a year and you're like, man, I don't know if we're doing this right, or maybe you want to just have somebody at, uh, that you can ask some questions of. These are people who are not going to be selling things to you. Instead, uh, they are going to just be willing to, to allow you to ask questions of them. One of them, uh, the one that I would recommend that you uh, touch base with and you can sign up to be able to um, sit down with these. One of them was a, a, a personal finance professor at Evangel for multiple decades. Okay, And they've done this with hundreds of couples and hundreds of people. So so I encourage you, you can go out to the website to sign up for those. You can also stop out at the welcome desk to sign up for them. You can, you can also stop out at the table and sign up for Financial Peace University Legacy Journey. Okay, so we wanted to stop. We wanted to pause. We wanted to check in, see how you're doing. And then also we wanted to talk about what does it look like. And this is the perfect weekend or week to, one week for it because it straddles Thanksgiving. Last week we talked about thanking God being the best Thanksgiver in the history of the universe for his incredible blessings in our lives. Now we're on the other side of Thanksgiving. And I think this is a really good time for us to handle the other side of it. How do we steward the blessings that God has given to us? So we're going to finish up this series called The Cup today. Um, and as a part of that, I want you to grab your Bibles. If you'd grab your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there are some that are spread out throughout the seats today. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you. And we would just love it if you would take that Bible home and take it. And we would, we would be blessed if we had to replace it. Because that means that we gave a Bible to somebody and we believe that they are the words of life. And so we want you to have that. So grab a Bible today. Once you have it, open it up to one of the most well-known psalms, if not the most well-known, Psalm 23 today. Because here's a psalm about God's provision for us and, and his overwhelming provision for us. We're only going to read one verse. Uh, if you have one of the church's Bibles, it's on page 458. We're going to read Psalm 23, verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. Here's what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Oh, that's good. My cup overflows. God pours out blessings in our lives. And whether you know it or not, he's pouring out blessings in your life. Right? The question is, are you overflowing? And this is huge because this is... This whole psalm, Psalm 23, is all about God's provision. It's all about his goodness to us. It's all about how he cares for us. And yet there's a response that's necessary. At home we have, I, I, I'm very specific about the way I like my coffee. And this was a pour over, but at home I do the espresso, I make it Americano, which means that I make an espresso shot, double shot of espresso, and then I heat up some water and I pour it over it and make it into an Americano. It's the American coffee is the fancy way of saying that. Overseas, they're like, why do you do that? Why would you make an espresso shot and then pour water in it? What a waste, you know? Um, But that's the way I love it. I love it. So I take the coffee pot or the teapot. And I go over to our filtered water, which is by the sink, and I, I, I flip the spigot around and put it on the counter, and I turn on the water, and then I go back to my espresso maker, and I start making the espresso. But sometimes, like this morning, because I have not yet had coffee, and this process is incredibly delicate, I am so focused on one thing that I forget the fact that the water is on, and there is a pot that is filling And I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. I've had it happen. The water was going, and I'm over here, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have some really good coffee. Oh, and I get over there just in time to see the water go everywhere. Overflowing is not the thing that, like, normally we would think, this is a good thing. If you have a cup of coffee that is overflowing, you have stained clothing, and you need to wash them. Like, this is not like something that we're like, hey, I want my cup to overflow. And yet, the picture here is a, it's a picture of hospitality. The picture is like, okay, so in a culture that values hospitality... You come to a place. So the first four verses are all about a shepherd and a sheep. You get to verse 5 and it's about like a a, a traveler who comes to a a place and as they arrive, then they're shown hospitality. But not just a little cup with enough water to fulfill the obligation. No, when God pours out, he pours out to overflowing. It is more than enough for us. And yet, as God is pouring out more than enough, he has a response that he wants from us. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 talks about this. Here's what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Wow, that's good. He is able to make all grace, all of the grace that you need. The cross was more than enough, right? He's able to make all grace abound to us, overflow to us. He is able to make that happen. Why? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Wow, that sounds good. All sufficiency, all things, all times. But he does it for a purpose. So that we may abound in every good work. He pours out blessings, not just that we might contain them all, but that from our lives it might overflow from us into others. Right? 
And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, when, when God was first calling Abram, his name isn't even Abraham yet. I mean, it's Abram still. He's calling him out. Verse 2, he says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. Continues on, and he says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He wants us to be a conduit. He wants us to be an avenue for that blessing to go through us to others. But it is possible that the Lord might bless us and that our cup would not overflow. Right? Like, it's possible for God to pour out blessings and us to find a place for all of it. Like, as it's pouring out. And we can get rid of all of that. And it could be gone before it ever overflows. And we can keep on drinking. It is possible for our cup to never overflow because our shopping cart does. And I think this is then the perfect time for us to step back because we had the Thanksgiving. And what an interesting dynamic this is. What an, we, uh, so we went up to Wisconsin, stayed with my sister and brother-in-law, and they also simultaneously had a, a foreign exchange student staying with them this week. And just for 10 days, I came to visit, just happened to be over the Thanksgiving holiday. And I have to say... As I was looking at this person, I'm thinking, what must be going through her mind right now? Because you've got this incredible Thanksgiving day, and we're all enjoying each other's company, and we pray, and we thank God for all of the blessings. And then she went out on Black Friday. And it's like this mass of humanity. What a culture we live in, where you have this... and, and it, if you went out on Black Friday, I'm like, all good for you. I hope you punched a grandma in the face and kicked her in the knee, right? I'm, I'm no guilt here, okay? This is not, that's not what this is about, man. I hope you got a great deal on that sheet. I don't know. I mean, like, whatever you bought, okay? But it's such an interesting dynamic that we go from this place of, thank God for his incredible blessings, to, hey, God, I want to spend all of those blessings, and I think it's such an interesting dynamic. And she was. She was like, you all are very interesting. And it was, it was such an interesting dynamic to see it like that. It is possible for God to pour out and for us never to overflow. It takes work on our end. It takes effort on our end to be able to overflow because we can consume it all. So first I would say that the overflow requires us to be content. It requires us to be content. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said... I will never leave you nor forsake you. I quote that verse all the time, but I only quote the second half of it. Like, I don't read, I don't quote the first half of it, because normally when I'm quoting this verse, it's somebody who's going through something where they need to be reminded that the Lord is with them. 
Let me tell you what I never tell them. You need to be content in this. But that's what the verse is actually about. It says, be content. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And there's a couple things that really catches my attention about this verse. Number one, be content is a command. It does not say, feel content. (laughs) It says, be content. It's a command, okay? Be content, it doesn't say be content if you have enough. It does not say be content if you have a nice car. It does not say be content if you have nice clothing, or if your house is big enough, or if your retirement is all that you want it to be. It says be content with what you have. And, and, and that doesn't make a difference what you have. It says be content with that. And this is a command very clearly. It's not like a suggestion. It's not like a, hey, hopefully you feel content. No, this is saying be content. This is an action that we're supposed to take. And he says, here's why you should do that. Be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, here's why you should be content. Because God promised you that he is with you. Now, where did God promise that? Well, he promised it to the Israelites. He promised it to Joshua right before they took the promised land. So they're on the front end of the promised land looking in, and they know there's, there's going to be some battle in between here and there, right? And they're looking towards this, this really high calling that God has given them and said, this is what you are called to. He says, step into it. Why? Because I am with you. And there will come moments when it's hard. And there will come moments when you're going to question, are we going to win this battle? Here's what you need to remember. I am with you. So step out in faith. So Hebrews is being written. And the writer says, be content with what you have. And then thinks, remember how God promised that he would be with the Israelites when they were coming into the promised land. That promise is also for you. Which means that being content is the same kind of step of faith that that was. It's a step of faith to say, wherever I am, more is not the answer. More is not what's going to get me there. Why? Because God is with me and he knows better than I do what I need. Right? If this is true, if God is with us, we can be content because we understand that it's not about having more. More is not going to do it. Instead, it is a matter of trusting in the Lord that he knows better than I do what I need. And in this moment right now, I understand that that's the case. And I put my faith in him. And I trust that he will provide. And I am content regardless of this situation. And so here, when it says, be content with what you have, you might say to me, Alan, you don't understand all that I have. You don't understand what I do not have. (laughs) And you're right, I don't. But God does. And he is with you. And he has commanded you, be content with what you have. 
for he will never leave you nor forsake you. So this is a verse that what I loved about the legacy journey is this command became something that you could get your fingers in and get your teeth in. Because what they did in the legacy journey is they asked us, and this was really, really good for us, they asked us to, first, we've already put together a monthly budget, right? We know what our costs are monthly. But we also know that the Lord has called us to save for retirement. And we know that our kids, hopefully, uh, will go to college. Um, and college is expensive, right? And so for us, we've sensed that the Lord is calling us to save for that, to prepare for that. I mean... They have to get a lot of scholarships, okay? That, that's either, but, but we've, we've been called to set aside for that as well. And we've been called, we feel, a, a calling to pay down our mortgage must, much faster than we would otherwise. Okay, so these are the things we sense from the Lord. Well, when you take these numbers and you add it up, it gives us a number that we need. Okay, and so as we're budgeting for 2019 and we've looked at the numbers and we've put them together and we say, God, this is what we need this next year. And we look at that number and we look at our increase or the money that we have coming in. The difference between the two we have a choice with. What do we want to do with that? It's called the overflow. Listen, if we don't limit the cup size, it will never overflow. If this was one of those magic cups that could expand the more you pour in, it will never overflow. And if you've never taken the opportunity to sit down and limit the size of the cup, God, what do I really need? What do we need? And set the size of the cup, then it's never going to overflow, right? Like if it's just kind of, eh, we got this much money, and, and then you'll never have a moment where it goes over the top. Right? So you got to limit the size of the cup. For us, we've limited the size of the cup, and we say, this is how much we need. What's great about that is that everything over the top of that then gets to get put in a fund we call the generous fund. And we get to do whatever we want with that generous fund that the Lord leads us in. <laughs> but we get to seek him, and our question is not, God, how are we going to pay for this? But it becomes, God, what would you have us do with this? And then it's just a matter of hearing from him and following his lead. And that is incredible. But it takes limiting the cup in order for it to overflow. And for some of us, our cup is really small. And for some of us, our cup is really much bigger. For me, this is the cup. It's the perfect cup. Like it, it, it's the size for us. There's a great passage in Isaiah chapter 22, which we're going to read in just a little bit. We're not going to read it right now, where it's talking about different people and the size of their cup. And it says some people have a little itty-bitty cup. They have like an espresso cup. Like it's this big, and they hold up their pinky, and it's that little cup. And then it says some people have a flagon. I love that word. Flagon. I think we ought to use the word flagon more often. You know what a flagon is? It's a big old cup, and it's like a big one liter like worth a cup. I, I, I think flagon is a great thing to put coffee into. Flagon. I think you should have a flagon. 
But some of us have little cups, and some of us have a certain amount of expenses, and some of us have a certain amount of income, and some of us have bigger, and some of us have really big ones. And I'm convinced that if somebody is ha- has more income and has more increase, that they should be able to enjoy that, right? And I'm not in charge of setting the size of somebody's cup. That's not my job. That's between that person and God. And I, I don't speak to that, and I, I, I don't condemn or put guilt on anybody who buys a new car or has a nice house. Um, we, we're, we've been blessed and we're thankful for that. And I don't want anybody to be trying to guilt me. But at some point, regardless of the size, we need to set a limit to it. And we need to say, this is what we need, God. And we need to be content with that. And then we need to let it overflow to other people. So it takes being content. It also takes Seeking satisfaction. Seeking satisfaction. Um, that might sound like I'm saying the same thing twice. But I'm really not. There's a big difference between contentment and satisfaction in Scripture. In Scripture, we are commanded to be content, right? Be content. It does not have a command in Scripture for us to be satisfied. In Scripture, contentment is a command. Satisfaction is a promise. So you find passages like Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So satisfaction then becomes a matter of making sure that our desire is rightly pointed. I want you to follow me on this because this is a big deal. And we just did a big study on this on Wednesday night called Satisfied for multiple weeks. And it was such a good thing for me personally. And I so enjoyed it. And it changed the way I think about things. But here's the thing about seeking satisfaction. We should be seeking satisfaction. We were made to seek satisfaction. We were designed to seek satisfaction. But if we point that in the wrong direction, we will never find it. According to Matthew chapter 5, if you're like, God, I'm not, I want to be satisfied, God. I want to be satisfied. I want to find true and real satisfaction. What scripture says is you got to point that desire in the right direction. Matthew chapter 5 says, here's how you find it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Seeking after Christ. If you want to find satisfaction, it can only be found in Christ. And if we point that desire for satisfaction anywhere else, it will not result in satisfaction. A big verse that we read multiple times throughout that whole series was Isaiah 55 verse 2. Here's what it says. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Why would you spend your labor for that which does not satisfy? One of the most depressing things this time of year is the videos you can find of Friday. At various different stores. It, because it is, it, I mean, you're just like, what in the world? What a culture we live in. And, 
and you think, is that really going to provide what you're looking for? Right? More is never the answer. More is not going to get us there. More money is not going to get us there. Another better job, a better job description, a better car, a better house, a bigger house, nicer clothes. Never going to get us the satisfaction we're looking for. In fact, as part of this Wednesday night study, um, what was really interesting was um, I, or the Bible study, we, I started doing research of, okay, what, what does the world say? Where are we going to find satisfaction? And there's been a ton of studies that have been done on this very thing. Like, where are you going to find satisfaction? Where are you going to find... Because everybody wants it. Everybody wants to be satisfied. And so what they do is searching for it, searching for it. Study after study says the exact same thing. More will never help you find the satisfaction you are looking for. In fact, I heard a phrase that I had never heard before in my life that I absolutely love. It was called the hedonic treadmill. The hedonic treadmill is not what you need to get on after Thanksgiving, okay? The hedonic treadmill, it starts, it's from hedonism. If you know what hedonism is, it's the desire for pleasure, it's the desire for satisfaction, it's the seeking after those things. And the idea is this, that it's a treadmill. That if we're at a certain level of satisfaction and we think a job, a new, a, a, a raise, a, a better job will get us to where we need to go. And we think, man, if I just had that one thing, then I would be satisfied. What, what's actually been shown, study after study, says this. What will happen is but that you want just that next job. Right? In a new car, man, you're like, it's just that new car. If I just had that new car, boy, if I had that, then I would be satisfied. That in reality, you get a bump for a moment, and then it goes right back to where you were before. Satisfaction cannot be provided by something outside of us purchasing or consuming something else. More is not the answer. Pointing our desire in the right place is. So let me tell you about my experience on Black Friday. Friday morning. Saturday, or Thursday, I should start with, on Thanksgiving. Got together with my siblings. All six of us got together and all of our spouses and kids. It was a, such a fun time. I'd been praying for this time, and it was so good. All that I could have wanted with interactions with loved ones who do not know Jesus and just everything that I could have asked for. So good. Friday morning, Black Friday, I wake up in the morning. First thought in my brain, I don't know where it came from. Well, no, I do know where it came from. First thought in my brain is, you know what? Every one of my siblings has the new iPhone XS. And I am still sporting an iPhone 6. Can you believe that? And there is a crack in the screen, even. And to open it, unlock it, you know what I have to do? I have to put my thumb on it. This is exactly my thoughts. And I'm like, they just have to look at their phone, and it unlocks for them. So there I am Friday morning, just having done this huge study, recognizing that the desire that I have is really misconstrued if it's not pointed at Christ. If I think this is the thing that will satisfy me, it won't get it done. I know that. 
And yet there I am on my little iPhone 6S slowly searching the internet for all the, or um, uh, 6, not even a 6S, searching the internet for the iPhone XS, which I just love the name of. It sounds awesome. iPhone XS. It's actually XS, but XS. So perfect. So perfect. So I'm slowly searching the internet. Where are the best deals? And I caught myself and I said, what am I doing? I'm preaching about this on Sunday. But it's such a constant thing. It's a constant draw. Oh, if I just had this thing, then I'll be satisfied. And it never, ever, ever does it. It's always a lie. It is only in Christ. So it's not like a one-time gig like, hey, I, I put my faith in you, Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm fully satisfied. No, this is a daily thing. No, that desire needs to be pointed at Jesus Christ. So the other experience on Black Friday was after that, I'm like, all right, got to get through that. And so I go through that. And I say, I know what I need. I need coffee. I need some coffee. And there are very few things in my life that I, at least I like to think, there are very few things in my life that I'm snobby about. One of them is coffee. If you've picked up on it at all, I am snobby about coffee. And the experience of coffee at my sister's house, while she was incredibly generous, was less than satisfying. And so I said to my nephew, hey, let's go find the best coffee shop in Kenosha. And I don't want to go to a chain. They have their place, I'm sure. But I want to find that little coffee shop where they are just doing a tremendous job. Kenosha is about the same size as Springfield. And I came to a conclusion after it was all said and done. And that was, if you want to make some money, Go to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and start a good coffee shop. So I started asking around, what's the, what's the best little coffee shop? Or just don't even say little. What's the best coffee shop in town? So they sent me to this place called The Buzz. And so my nephew and I walk in the door, okay? I look at the menu. They have two options, light and dark. <laughs> this was number one. So I said... All right, thank you. Put the menu down and walk right back out the door. And my nephew looks at me like, seriously? <laughs> Just walking up? I said, dude, this is not it. So we go on this drive about all over Kenosha trying to find the perfect or even just a palatable coffee shop. And we eventually ended up at this little coffee shop right on, on Michigan, Lake Michigan, and it was doable. I will say that I went to the counter and I said, could I have a pour over? And they said, a What? I know, I felt the exact same way. <laughs> I just stared at them for a moment, and I said, okay, I'll just have an Americano. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Okay, so there are very few things that I'm, I, I like to think. There are very few things that I'm snobby about. Coffee is one of them. The other one that I want to be so incredibly snobby about is satisfaction. I want to be a satisfaction snob. I want to be a satisfaction connoisseur. I want to walk in the door and say, here's what we have to offer. And I said, no, 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 no. That's not going to get the job done. And turn around and walk right back out. Why? Because C.S. Lewis said, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, my most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. 
if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it. That does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. Nothing else can get it done. And when we point those things in the wrong direction, we will ever be dissatisfied. So we need to be connoisseurs of that. And when the lie comes and says, ah, this is the thing you need, say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to get us there. Seek real satisfaction. And that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Satisfaction moves outwards, not inwards. Outwards from a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? Final thing I would say here, and i got to wrap it up because I'm getting close to the end, is trust Christ. Trust Jesus Christ. And, and if we be content and seek satisfaction, trust Christ is so obviously a part of that. But that passage I referenced just a moment ago in Isaiah 22, which I absolutely love. I love this. In Isaiah 22, verse 23, here's what it says. It's talking about a king. The king's name is Eliakim. And, and, and God says there, he says, I'm the one who established him as king. He is secure. He is solid. And as a result of how solid he is and how secure he is, other people start putting their trust in him instead of in God. Okay, so this is the passage we're going to read. Isaiah 22, verse 23 through 25. Here's what it says. And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place. I love this illustration. I fasten him like a peg in a secure place. And he will become a throne of honor to his father's house. And they will hang on him the whole honor of his father's house. The offspring and issue, every small vessel from the little cups to all the flagons. They are trusting in him. They are putting their faith in this thing, this person that should not be in him. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, the peg that was fastened in a secure place will give way and it will be cut down and fall. And all the load that was on it will be cut off for the Lord has spoken. When we put our trust in anything else, when we hang our cup on any other peg, it comes crashing down. But if we hang it on God, we put our trust in him we put our faith in Christ, then we will never, ever be cut off. So here's what this looks like. Because trusting in God is such a huge part of what it means to overflow. Because while we have set a certain number, and we know what it takes, there is always a desire... To say, okay, well, we could pay off the mortgage just a little faster. Or I could just stock a little more away for retirement. Or I could just put a little bit more into the college fund. And quite honestly, while our number may be here this year, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Right? Like my provision is right here today. Tomorrow, boy, something, anything could happen. There's no guarantee that my number will be the same. That the income level will be the same. Any number of things could change. And there's no guarantee of that. What the great thing about this is, it does not matter. Because it is not my job to provide the increase. It is not my place. 
My trust is not in my own ability to produce. My trust is in him. And if my trust is in him, then all I have to do is be faithful with what he has called me to do. So I do it. I save and I put aside that which he has called me to do. And yes, I could put a little bit more. I could build just a little bit bigger barn. I could do that. I could put a little bit more into there and a little bit more into there. And I could save a little bit more. And I could own an iPhone XS. But at the end of the day, it is not my job. I am faithful with what he has called me to do. And then the rest is up to him. And what that does is it limits the size of my cup. It doesn't need to keep getting bigger. And then as a result, it overflows. And that is the most satisfying thing. Oh, to give instead of to receive. Oh, to be a giver. And a cup that overflows instead of a cart that overflows. And to be able to use this season to mimic Christ in the giving away. Instead of being the type of person who needs to constantly consume and constantly receive and constantly take in. Yes, the Lord provides. Yes, he pours out blessing. But do we take that blessing and keep it all for ourselves or let it overflow to others? So if you've never figured out not only a monthly budget. If you, haven't, if you don't have a monthly budget that comes down to zero at the bottom, I'm telling you right now you need to do Financial Peace University at the beginning of the year. And if you've never figured out what do I actually need per year, you've never gone through that process, I'm telling you right now you need to do the legacy journey at the beginning of this year. This is hugely important for us to follow the pattern that we see in Scripture for how we steward that which God has given to us. So go through that process. Figure out what the limits are. And then allow God to give you more than you need. And you get to be a blessing to others. I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. And I want to end with this. That God gives blessing and we need to receive it. And God gives blessing and he gives us all that we need in the cross. But as a result of that, we still need to take it. We still need to receive it. And without receiving it, we don't gain anything by it. It's not enough to hear about it. It's not enough to talk about it. It needs to be received. And our trust needs to be in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so if you're in here right now and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to commit ourselves, first off, to making Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, because this is what we see in Romans. And second, we're going to put our faith in that the Scriptures are true of him, that God raised him from the dead. We're going to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We're going to confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. And by going through that, by putting our faith in him, we will receive that sacrifice. We will receive that salvation. We can drink from the cup of blessing instead of the cup of judgment. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. And, and if you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's an opportunity for you to do that. Pray along with me today. Father, we do come to you as those who recognize your blessings in our lives. You've poured out incredible blessings 
And oh God, we've thanked you for that and we continue to thank you for it. We can never repay you. We're not even going to try. But instead, oh Lord, as we seek to uh, just turn back glory to your name, we are astounded by, we are flabbergasted, we are floored by your goodness to us. Truly, our cup overflows. But every sheep led through a green pasture can easily get eyes for greener grass around the corner. So, Father, we also find ourselves in a place where we say that you are enough, you and you alone. And that that promise to us that you will never leave us nor forsake us means that regardless of our situation and regardless of what is in our cup right now, what we have or what we don't have, Father, regardless of those things, our contentment, our faith, our hope is in you and in you alone. We hang our cup on you and no one else. Our trust is in you. And we seek our satisfaction in you and you alone today. Father, right now I just declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. You are Lord Jesus over my life. You are all that I need and no one else can satisfy. It is you and you alone. I put my faith in you right now and I say continue to show me the truth of who you are. May I know you better and better each day. I know the scriptures are true of you. I know that God raised you from the dead. Reveal what that means to me and reveal what that means in my life. Show yourself anew, afresh every day. Father, today I pray blessings over every person in this room. As we're going through a new season, as we've transitioned away from Thanksgiving, it is the season of consumption in the United States. And Father, I pray that instead of being the season of consumption, for us it would be the season of Christmas. Oh God, may we see what it means that Jesus Christ came for us. May we recognize that. May our hearts, our lives, and our cup overflow to others. May we be a blessing to others as you more than fill our cup. You provide more than we need. And we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm so glad you joined us. If you're in here and you need prayer for anything this morning, our prayer team down at the front would love to pray with you. And not just today, but all week long. If you come and you ask a prayer for something, they've committed themselves to pray for you. If you're in here and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior for the very first time, as others are heading out, would you head down to the front so that we might just pray with you and kind of walk you through those next steps. Thank you for joining us today. Be back tonight. Join us for community groups and also our senior service and here youth ministry tonight as well. God bless you as you go today.